0: Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show.
1: Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our heroes' journeys. This is Taking Flight, An Entrepreneur's Journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Hello, and welcome to Atlanta's podcast, Taking Flight. Um, I always enjoy doing this podcast. As you know, I've told you, I think this is my second passion in life. Um, Running Media Frenzy is my first, and doing this podcast is definitely... It's probably close to my first two, so it's really great to be here again and to be here with a wonderful entrepreneur um, who I'm really excited to speak to today. This individual is extremely passionate about his work. He is an entrepreneur, an extraordinary consultant, a leader, he solves challenges, and he's a really valuable professional resource. He is the president of SmartPath, Inc., Alok Dishpande. Welcome.
0: Oh, uh, thank you so much, Sarah. I was wondering who you were talking about at first, but uh, fortunately, it sounds like it was me. So I'm gonna have to try to live up to that today. But really appreciate you having me on.
1: You're really welcome. And these are all facts. I mean, I, I'm not making them up. So it's <laughs> like I've been told that this is the information about you. So you're gonna have to own it today. I want to learn about your journey. I really want to kind of understand um, that when you got started. Tell me, like, what did you get right as you first took your entrepreneurial flight?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's actually an incredibly tough question because I got a lot of things wrong. And those are often the times that, you know, for entrepreneurs, we think about those, those uh, areas that we didn't do well, or we wish we could have done again. I think for me, the biggest thing, there's probably two big things that I got right coming out of the gate. Uh, the first was I was financially prepared to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, our company does teach personal finance. We offer it as an employee benefit to hundreds and thousands of employees. So I had to kind of take my own medicine, which is, to think about entrepreneurship, not from the war stories you hear about, you know, running up credit card debt. And I have a lot of respect for people who put it all on the line. For me, I knew that I was going to leave the world of management consulting and try to start my own thing for about probably about a year to 18 months before I actually left. And my wife and I were both aligned. And so uh, we put a financial plan in place to establish the fact that, hey, the first couple of years are probably going to be rocky. We're probably going to make a lot less money or I'm going to make a lot less money. And so, you know, how to avoid that stress. So I think I got that right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing I think I got right was that I started very, very small sitting with the people that we teach. So in other words, I started with a classroom of six people and taught personal finance for four hours. And then every weekend I would teach a class to the community. And so I learned a lot of the myths that I had in my head were pretty much wrong. I mean, money is messy. Life is messy for people. Uh, And so I think that having an appreciation for that, especially early- Uh, really helped us establish kind of what this product was going to be and what it's not going to be. And so I think those two areas I got wrong, there's a lot I got right. Those are a lot I didn't, but uh, those were the good starting points.
1: How just If you don't mind me asking, how do you sit down and prepare that financial plan for yourself? Like that early on and you don't know what the journey is going to look like.
0: Well, I think for us, it was, you know, how do we manage a life where we're happy with the least expenses possible? Yeah. And I think if you could establish that, at least, you know, your baseline, you know, that, okay, I'm going to be willing. Is this life okay for us? And whatever that may mean, whatever that means in terms of vacations or not having vacations or how many, what that means in terms of kids' schools, what that means in a lot of different decisions that are money related, Mm -hmm. we sat down and kind of figured that out. And then once we knew what our bogey was, which was, you know, the cost of that life, um, then it was actually much easier to go out and you know, look at entrepreneurial ventures that may or may not succeed because yeah. the number was so low that, uh, you know, it, was it wasn't pressure was icing. So yeah. Everything, is everything icing was icing. Yeah, exactly. And, and we also both agreed on who's going to be, are we both working? Is it just her? Is it just me? Like all those, all those we had, we had all those discussions while I was making uh much better money in the consulting right. world than I would right. early in my entrepreneurial career. Right.
1: Okay, that's really, really good advice. Everything on the top can be icing when you know your baseline. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's a great, great place to start.
1: Yeah, really good. Um, great insight. Thank you. So I mean, you mentioned your wife, and I'm, um, maybe she is the answer to this next question. But who are or were your co pilots on this journey?
0: Uh, well, I've had several. I mean, my wife is the one that's been the most consistent over yeah. a long period of time, and we're we're celebrating 20 years this year. So, okay. so um, I- yeah, I appreciate okay. that. So, you know, that that has been a consistent co-pilot. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had I have a co-founder today who actually joined me later in the journey. Um, but that being said, I've had a number of people that were co-founders or colleagues or mentors that have stuck with me. A few individuals, particularly, um, jump out to mind a close friend of mine who's Kind of helped me navigate really the the tough times in entrepreneurship. That emotional support, that kind of shoulder you can talk to. And I'm not saying my wife is there too, but you, you can't load off everything on your spouse yeah. when you're an entrepreneur. Okay. So, um, you know, so I, I've had I've had in, individuals like that. I've had colleagues that I grew up with that were big cheerleaders for me. They may not be the best people to talk to about business, but they were huge cheerleaders of what I was doing and very supportive of the direction. And so. There's been a number of co-pilots along the way. Um, Nobody, you know, there wasn't a specific co-founder that said, oh, I started with this person. I stuck with them the whole time. There is today that has been an amazing co-pilot, my co-founder, who's our chief product officer. But beyond that, it's been, you know, just a whole host of people.
1: Right. Right. That's really good. So what is a challenge that you and your team had to solve recently?
0: Recently, the challenge we've had to solve is what got us here is not going to get us there. I, I think that the, the way I look at that is, is that we've built a business, and I'll be fairly specific here, where you know we've had a certain customer segment that we've uh, gone out and we want won a lot of deals, and then we've built on those deals, and those deals are long-term. They don't churn, and so they have all of the characteristics, especially in a SaaS business, they have all the characteristics of what you want from a customer, which is Once you acquire them, they stick around a long time, long lifetime value. They're seeing value of your product. So all of those things are great. However, the market for that is relatively small. So you like you win at that market and you think, okay, well, I got to keep growing. Or at least I'd like to keep growing. I guess I don't have to. I'd like to keep growing. And so for us, the big challenge and real opportunity is what I would call it, is going into some new markets. And it has been Uh, Quite eye-opening. Sometimes I feel like we could have tapped these markets sooner. Um, (laughs) Another thing, I bet, I guess, uh, you know, I'm a bit slow uh, to to kind of decide to make the to move into those markets, but those markets are turning out to be, um, quite frankly, you know, 10x the size of what what our current market is. So Mm -hmm. I'm super appreciative of the foundation we're on. Um, That creates a lot of stability in the business. And right now, the challenge has been maintain the foundation, grow in new markets, keep moving forward, and, and we have ambitious plans, just like many EOers. So, um, yeah. I think that that's been that's been where the challenge has been. Opportunity. It's been mm-hmm. there's a lot of like specific challenges around team and how does team evolve to that, and how do they change, and how do they adapt. So, yeah. as you can imagine, there's a lot of balls in the air right now.
1: Oh, I bet. So, what is a piece of advice you can offer others, maybe who are facing a similar challenge, because? Things do be, I mean, obviously, con, there's constant change in any market. Um, I, I'm reading um, uh, Good to Great right now by Jim yeah. Collins. Oh my gosh, like I read it a long time ago, but I'm rereading it. And so just, you know, hearing about obviously what might make takes a company from good to great, but just hearing about how the companies which put the action plan in place to change while the, you know, when the market is changing and not be ignorant. So tell me, how are you? going about making those changes in your business?
0: Yeah, probably two things uh, to your question that jumped to me. One is over-communicate. I think there is a tendency, or there was for me, I'll speak for myself, there was a tendency to say, well, I don't want to tell the team about things that are experimental unless they're fully baked, and then I'll let them know about it. Yeah. That is did not work for us. Right. <laughs> for, right. for us, it's tell them what the experiments are, what the things you're yeah. doing, what the metrics are you're looking at. Like let yeah. people in on the on the vision and the direction, yeah. even when it's incredibly early. Now, I do think you have to have some responsibility with that as a CEO. To not just come off the cuff and say, oh, yeah, yeah. here's what I'm yeah. thinking today, and it's Friday, and I'm, I talked to Sarah earlier today, and now we're going to go in this direction, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do that because um, you're getting a lot of whiplash effect from the team. So I think number one is to over-communicate and be structured in that communication while yeah. you're going through the experiments. Yeah. The second part, um, I think, as we're going into new markets is just don't lie to yourself. And it is, uh, uh, entrepreneurs, and I am definitely guilty of this, are very optimistic about yeah. any challenge. It's like, oh, I got this. Oh, yeah. the person said they were interested. Yeah. It must mean we're going to be doing a deal yeah. here. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, right? So yeah. it doesn't mean anything other than they didn't, they, they might've been interested. Yeah. But very few people have an ability to give negative feedback or to be able to say, I am not interested in what you're doing. Yeah. We even struggle, if you think about it, I even struggle with unsubscribing to stuff because yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be mean to that person. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's okay. It's just going into spam. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But you you realize from a sales standpoint, like getting a no is just as good as getting a yes. I mean, yeah. you'd obviously prefer the yes. And so yeah. I think that when I say I we use Brene Brown in our business, which is uh, we talk a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves. And um, we, we train the, the entire team on this, which is right. be very careful of the stories that you tell yourself. And I think as the leader of a, of a company, you've got to even be more careful and more cautious about what you think is actually coming. Um, I have made some bad investments in our business because I believed in the story I was telling yeah. myself instead of actually listening to what the market was truly saying by the metrics. And so we right, become very disciplined <laughs> with yeah. uh, with following the facts.
1: Yeah. That's part of the Jim Collins thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, discipline people, discipline, thought, discipline, action. I was driving I like yesterday it. for five hours as I did five hours of Jim Collins, but like, you're right. That's the, um, that, that discipline thought, you know because until it's a fact, you, you know, you, you can't. And I do agree with you. We are very hopeful. We do believe that we can conquer anything, but reality is you got to look at the facts. I think that's great feedback. Hello, thank you for sharing that with everybody because it's um, you know and, and you know you got to push yourself forward. You got to be optimistic, but you got to use the facts around you. So it sounds like you're trying to do that right now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and luckily the facts are coming in pretty quickly, and we've gotten a better momentum and 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 motion. go to market motion that allows for those facts to come in and come in very directly. Uh, And so, you know, that's helped a lot as well because everyone's aligned with, Oh, we got to go get the facts. Okay. Let's go get them. Especially our sales team. It's like, let's go get the facts then.
1: Great. Great. Necessary. So I've been talking a little bit about books, but is there a favorite book that you're reading right now? And maybe even anything related to this, this, this challenge you're overcoming right now.
0: You know, interestingly, I don't read a ton of business books. I have in the past just because I have, you know, business degrees and done a lot of stuff in business. Th- the book that most recently had a big impact on me was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Right. And that book talks a lot just about maximizing and optimizing for personal happiness. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear to me as I've gone through that book that, well, let me take that back. It wasn't clear to me, it took me time. But what that book did for me was start to disassociate my entrepreneurial journey from my personal self-worth. And I've struggled with that because you put so much mean I'm 13 years into being an entrepreneur and you kind of put so much of yourself into it that you think it's hard to disassociate those two. If the business is not successful, it means I'm not successful, right? Like That's kind of the natural thing. And I absolutely still do that to this day. Um, But that really helped me kind of create a different identity associated with what I'm trying to do as a human um, for my family, for friends, for my community versus what the business does, which there's some overlap there. But um, yeah, Yeah. that I I get more into books like that um, than I do (laughs) business books.
1: Yeah, that book, that's the title of that book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Yeah. Like just, and and what you're trying to explain, I'm assuming the meaning of that, like, you know, you can, well, I, mean, I don't even want to go into it. But I need to read the book. I think that's, that's what I need to do. I need to read the book and find out <laughs> because I do agree with you. And I'm the same. I mean, if things aren't going well at work, you question yourself and you think about, you know, well, where am I? Su- I say it to my husband, like, you know, I don't feel successful. I don't feel like, you know, what value am I do- You know, and you question so many things. You're right. When you, you gotta remember that's, there's so much more than being an entrepreneur. So I think, God, oh, that's, I love the fact you shared that. Thank you. I
0: had a friend, I thought, Sarah, on like this dimension that I was you know, struggling with some, some depression last year and just kind yeah. of working through it. And, and a friend of mine who I'm very close with kind of mentioned, he said, well, I think you're afraid. I said, what am I afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. Like no. in my mental, you know, I kind of, my Senses went up to say like, no, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I'm, you know, warrior type of mentality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he said, I said, what do you think I'm afraid of? And he said, I think you're afraid that you don't meet your goals and you don't reach your goals. And it hit me like a brick that mm-hmm. I was like in entrepreneurship, at least for me, I set out with this vision and these goals and this, yeah. and, and you know, you daydream about what this looks like at scale and where oh, it yeah. goes. And so what if you don't meet that? Now what? And that facing that fear and treating it as a fear that I need to work on mm-hmm. um, has helped tremendously in my personal growth to say, okay, I do have that fear, whether I explicitly state it or I yeah. don't, it's there. Yeah, I do have a vision. I did spend a lot of hours in college studying. I did go to business school and study my ass off. I did put in all this work, which is this mindset of something's yeah. going to come out of it. Out, yeah. What if it doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, at least I to the failed? scale that I think have I yeah, failed
1: have I failed
0: and that um I think that framing for me being scared of not meeting your goals or not mm-hmm. reaching your goals mm-hmm. has helped me kind of rethink okay I the only way to address that is to be a bit more thoughtful about my goals and be a bit more varied in those goals right. you know and a bit more robust in those yeah, goals so not, not just, not just make them
1: business goals yes but other, yeah personal <laughs> goals too um but that is an interesting point. Um, and I think I've heard people talk about like what is an entrepreneur's biggest fear. And generally speaking, it is failure. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you know, well, why are we failing? There's, you know, even when you're in EO, which is a great organization, you see all these people around you, it feels like everyone is succeeding. And it's like, so why am I why <laughs> am I struggling? Why are you like I, mean, I do it to myself all the time. Um, and it's like it it, it eats you up it can be too much so um so you're right okay so the advice there is really kind of like reassessing your goals maybe being a bit more realistic and not making them just about work making them about your family and you and all those other things
0: yeah and your own personal growth yeah right getting to that that sacred space of being quite you know comfortable in your own yeah. skin and your own yeah. growth and that's a that's a constantly evolving process but yeah. as you hit hurdles there at least as i've hit hurdles there and i've crossed those i'm like man this feels really good. And this yeah. is a, a good place. And then, you know, of course I get nervous and, you know, want to reach our goals of business and yeah. push hard and all that. Um, but it isn't the only thing that defines me. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. that that I have to constantly remind myself of that. It's not a the switch turned on. And now all of a sudden no. I think that way. No, It's a daily practice.
1: No, I can imagine because we're wired to think like, well, this is, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I've given up corporate life or whatever to go do this. I'm going to go do it. And then and, and we look at ourselves as are we successful or not? And if we don't hit our targets, then we're not successful. Boom. Yep. Yeah. It's binary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very, very. Um, You're not alone. <laughs> no, I know. It's terrible. Terrible. I'm getting better. Like you, I feel like I'm definitely, um, little things hit me now. Like I said to you earlier, like even things with my daughter and things like that, there were other Or even just other moments. I always look at life with moments and think like this is a moment right now, a moment that I wasn't ever expecting. And it's normally a personal moment rather than a business because there's business, you know, business moments matter too, but personal moments. And I I try and savor those personal moments and I'm just shocked and surprised by how lovely they are.
0: Mm. And
1: I wasn't expecting them. And so I take them as little small accomplishments too. Um, when when a moment happens and it's like wow, out of all the you know chaos, something really amazing came through. So um, anyway, I love you sharing that. Thank you so much. So, what excites you about the future? Your future of flight?
0: Yeah, I think uh, for for at least from a business standpoint, we have uh, what I believe is finally hit that inflection point. At least what's what it appears um, when you look at the numbers, right. it would finally hit that inflection point where. Um, We have the possibility to reach some of those, uh, you know, really, really high um, goals and and objectives that we had when I started, and it wasn't really a financial goal, it was kind of from a mission standpoint, I'm seeing that the mission can be achieved. The how it's being achieved was very different than what I thought it was going to look like. Uh, So that has been a humbling experience. And quite frankly, I tell people pretty frequently that a lot of what's happened in our business in the last couple of years is because I got out of the way. I got out of my own way and I got out of the team's way. And when I did that, um, great things happened. I had to become very comfortable with the fact that I don't control everything, nor do I actually even know everything that's going on in the business. We had a meeting yesterday where I was like, uh, I'm not even sure what's happening here, but all of you all seem really confident yeah. about where <laughs> this is going. <laughs> and so there you go. I don't yeah. really have anything to contribute. Um, and being really comfortable in the fact that, yeah, yeah that's just kind of what it is.
1: Yeah. So,
0: uh, well, yeah, hiring, so I'm ex-
1: hiring good people, surely. If you've hired good people, you can feel confident that they know where they're going or taking things.
0: Yeah. If you've hired good people and you've clearly defined the role. Yeah. So I think in early stage entrepreneurship, you can hire good people and kind of the idea is, oh, you know, don't tell them what to do. They're just going to figure it out. That's pretty, that's on a far end of the spectrum. Yeah. You have to define what the sandbox is. Yeah. But once you do that, then, you know, people can blossom. They want to be successful. Yeah. They want to help. So yeah, I would agree with you. Hiring good people, defining the role very clearly, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've got a lot in front of us. It's uh, yeah.
1: it sounds it's really quite humbling. Exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be humbling.
1: watching your journey. It sounds really, really exciting. So, so I want to learn more about you. Um, so, you know, talk to me a little bit like pre-flight before you beca- decided to be an entrepreneur. I know there was some significant things happened in your life, if you're comfortable sharing any of them sure. with our listeners.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, pre-flight, I think. But so entrepreneurship started two thousand ten. I graduated college in nineteen ninety nine. In nineteen ninety seven, while I was in college, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I, you know, went through cancer treatment, uh, yeah. chemo, radiation, all kinds of stuff. Um, and interestingly, you know, stayed in the cancer world. What I mean by staying in the cancer world was I counseled kids. I I was only nineteen myself. I had a yeah. uh, attended camps for young adults with cancer. And for about five years, I was pretty involved. Um, that, uh, unfortunately, the that experience, uh, and especially the, being involved, uh, there are a lot of deaths. You know, cancer is a very ugly, ugly disease, and, and especially on youth. And yeah. def- definitely certain types of cancer are very challenging to, like, watch in hospitals what happens. Um, so I watched all that. And um, at, at about 25 years old, I decided, you know what, I got to... Um, I got to take a time out. I can't keep having this in my life. And it was interesting, an organization that had supported me, Camp Sunshine, which is a pediatric right. uh camp for children with cancer. Uh, the the executive director there was super supportive of me kind of saying, Look, I, I need to take time off. She was like, yeah. Go about your life. You've gone through yeah. stuff. And now this is my first year uh come full circle where I'm on the board of, of Camp Sunshine. So I'm able to now give back. Um, and and I'm at that stage in my life where I am willing to kind of get back into that world. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a obviously a a difficult experience. But Sarah, you know, as a mother, it was more difficult ten x for my parents than it was for me.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Watching your child suffer like that, uh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. There, there's just nothing. There's yeah. nothing to compare to that. No. Um, you know, I knew what was going on. Meaning, physically, I I yeah. felt it all. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. they had to watch it.
1: Yeah, and they couldn't do anything about it. Really, nothing. No, no, no. Yeah, so it is the parents well there's many worse nightmares but i think anything associated to children being unwell especially at yeah. that level is must be terrible so, yeah um, my
0: mom used to sleep next to me i was on a hospital bed even in my home for you know months not years i wow. uh, my mom would sleep next to me on like a broken little couch yeah. um yeah i mean she passed away last year but I, if i think about her yeah. i like the mental state i can finally partially with a 16 year old now i can partially yeah. understand what intensity that must have been emotionally yeah. to watch your kid go through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, so gosh. I think about that a lot.
1: Yes. I bet you do. So I'm so glad that you got better. Um, and it sounds like you had a great family around you as well, which is I so did. important. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know, and you went on to Harvard as well. So like you were you know, you are someone I think who pushes himself, you push yourself a lot, don't you? Like you've achieved a lot, you've accomplished a lot. And you, and I love the fact that you've pushed yourself a lot. But then now you're talking about, you know, again, like thinking about more about who you are as an individual as well. And then and, and, and disassociating yourself, you don't always have to be the business. It sounds like you're just on this really strong journey right now.
0: Yeah, at the moment, at the moment, I I think that what happened is after I got sick, I became incredibly committed to figuring out what my potential was without using those words at that time. Uh, At that time, I was just like, all right, well, I don't really know how much longer I got left anyway. So just go for it. And, you know, that that thread kind of carried through the rest of my life. It also did shelter me a bit from Significant emotional lows. Even as I talked about depression earlier, which I think is uh, very realistic and real yeah. for entrepreneurs, is that yeah. I, it, I was shielded a bit from the lows because I've had some really low lows and watched yeah. some really low lows. So I don't get down into that zone as much anymore. I can kind of identify that. Right. But yeah, I was incredibly driven at that time. It, I wasn't before, I was driven to hit the bar. But I wasn't necessarily driven to go yeah. uh, until I got sick and kind of had to take a pause yeah. on life for about a year. Um, so I think all those things kind of contributed to just, yeah, just being driven, kind of seeing what my potential is. Mm-hmm. The same things you and I teach our kids. Just try to figure out what you're, what are you capable of? I know. What's the worst thing you're going to find out? Is mm-hmm. so that it could be miraculous.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? So yeah. that's the same message I share with my son. The same thing he's bought into yeah. uh, It's just, no, nobody's holding you to any other standard than you got to figure bad. out your potential. Yeah. You yes. got to figure it out. And I think yeah. we're doing the same thing. You and I and others in the yeah. EO group, we're doing the same thing. We're just figuring yeah. it out.
1: Always every minute of every day. So and I love it. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So present day. Yeah. I want to know more about SmartPath. Um, okay. So, I mean, I've, I I've been in FinTech for a long time, so I kind of yeah. feel like I'm pretty well versed, but it's such a complex complex industry, how much change there's been in this industry. So I want to understand like, what problem do you solve? But also more importantly, what impact have you made?
0: Yeah. So I think the problem, the key problem that we've seen or the gap in the market of fintech period is, is that there is an assumption that people know how to make financial choices and how to evaluate like, and I call it broadly financial literacy, but it's adult financial literacy. So for example, a LGBTQ uh, couple that's thinking about surrogacy for their kids. Mm -hmm. Well, how do I think through that financially? Or should I send my kid to public or private school? Or how do I pay off debt? Um, Should I be thinking of a debt management program? All of those questions, what you see in fintech up until now is, hey, I'm going to give you an app or a dashboard and that dashboard is going to take care of it. Yeah, But money is so personal that you don't trust a dashboard, right. right? In in medicine, the analogy I use is you go to a primary care physician, yeah, and they tell you what to do, and then you're like, "All right, let me go do that." In personal finance, you're supposed to trust a dashboard. So what we do is we provide kind of financial literacy on steroids. The way our program works is quite simple. We get a file from a partner or from a a um, an employer. Uh, we segment that file based on age, income, some a few other demographic characteristics. And every two weeks, you get a list of classes that might be applicable to you. So, right. if you're on the wealthier side, it could be estate planning for entrepreneurs. On the on the um, paycheck to paycheck side, it could be how do I make more money. And you're and we get down into even like pulling up Mint and showing you how to use the tool.
1: Right.
0: So it gets very very targeted to say you have got a resource to answer pretty much any question related to money. Now you still have to do the thing. You still got to execute on it. Yeah. Um. But that has really, when when I look at fintech apps out there today, they even view it as the missing ingredient for themselves. Right. They're like, we can handle the product side and have you know numbers flying around and different cards on the screen, but we don't do a great job of educating, other than for SEO purposes. Right. So we fill that gap for employers and for users. I mean, last year alone, we had close to fifty thousand. Uh, Class registrations. You know, we've done one-on-one coaching with. I think we were close to like eight, nine thousand hours last year of one-on-one coaching. So we're making a pretty massive dent in accessible financial guidance for the middle class. That's great. Uh, So yeah, so it's exciting.
1: Yeah, very, very exciting. I'm just looking at your website right now. Um, I think I've got a feeling I met you years ago at a the fintech event in Atlanta. Possible. Um, Yeah. When. (laughs) Did you ever have this dial where you would show it was the software piece and it would spin around and it would show percentage of your money and how you were spending it? Was that every, I don't
0: know. I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) I had a company, well, I had a company, you know, I I lost a company. I mean, meaning I failed at a company before that was actually capturing family stories. So it was a different business, Okay. but I've been in the Atlanta fintech and tech scene since 2010 and been in Atlanta my whole life. So I'm a, I'm a native here.
1: You are a native. So really, smart path is is education. It's um, and it's education through seminars, through one to one, through group initiatives, um, and then and then do you kind of pull um, partners in to kind of, you know, put systems in place or?
0: Well, we actually become the education provider for the partner. okay okay. so we are a plug-in to their experience right and then what the provider gets in return is is that quite frankly for example if i do a lease versus buy uh class on auto and you're a bank you kind of want to know who's going to that class because they're showing intent that they plan to buy a car so we provide the data back to the fintech around who's doing what and what are they engaging in so they now know from their customers very specifically the things they're interested in. yeah. Um, and we can provide products that are from the uh, the, yeah. the partner. up, right. So we can drive more cross-sell, we can drive more engagement, we can yeah. drive more value that that fintech is providing. Um, and, uh, and then we've kind of seen that play out finally. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is super cool.
1: Yeah, this, this is g- great. When you see that it all happening from yeah. one side all the way through to the other and then benefiting the individual, it must be really rewarding
0: yeah it's and, and I, I've kind of figured that it's the intersection of financial education with marketing for fintechs
1: yeah
0: it is a you know it's like content marketing on steroids with the content yes. being you know we have classes every single day yeah. We, yeah. we teach multiple yeah. classes a day so we you know we're extensive in our library of what we do in yeah. a live setting and in every live class there's a there's a financial advisor answering everyone's question in the chat room wow. And so those are, those
1: are smart paths, financial advisors. Yeah. 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 So
0: they're just answering questions. We don't sell any financial products. We don't yeah. manage your money for you. We're not trying to turn you into yeah. some policy.
1: Nope.
0: Yeah. It is 100% objective. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So it's it's finally kind of found its maturation yeah. and space in the market that is allowing us to really uh, just grow a bit faster yeah, than, I can, than we I ever can have.
1: Hear, I can hear that. I can hear the differentiation <laughs> of of the solution. It sounds great. Um, and being in marketing, I'm all about that. Like, how do you differentiate? What's your story? So <laughs> I, I, and you explained it well. So thank you for that. You um, okay. Bonus round. We have time. I want to, I want to know more about you. Like what, what do you do outside of work?
0: Well, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm- Fairly tied up with a teenager who we have a year and a half before we're empty nesters. So there's a, yeah. uh, he's, uh, he runs track and cross country. So I'm at every single meet and wow. try to get to even some of the practices. Um, yeah. I play golf. I enjoy it. I'm actually in the EO golf group and that's, okay. that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and between that and then honestly, you know, spending time with my wife, I don't do much else. I, mm-hmm. I wish I were to say that I've got some fascinating hobby. Um, <laughs> I, I do work a lot. And I, I don't say that like as some badge, but it's just the reality of where we are right now in the business. So, um, I am spending a lot of time traveling too, um, not necessarily personally, um, although I'll be going to India next month. Um, so yeah, so my days are quite consumed and looking for downtime is a challenge. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. I'm like, Hey, get it while the good, you know, while the things are going good and go ahead and get it and see what happens.
1: No, I agree with you. I, you seem, you seem happy and, and well-rounded. It's like, you know, again, I think keeping a pulse, you know, if, when you know you're working too much, putting back. And I think it's, if, it's good. If we have to realize that about ourselves. So it feels like to me, I know, we, we, I don't know you too well, but I feel like you're trying to get that. So I think that's, that's wonderful. While also growing what looks to be a really, really strong business. I'm excited to watch smart paths growth too. So um so thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I'd love to be able to share how can people connect with you? Maybe you can share, you know, what's the best way?
0: Yeah, you can email me, uh, aloke at joinsmartpath.com. Alok at joinsmartpath.com. So feel free to email me with you know, whatever. Um, and, and typically I'm around and try to stay involved. Uh, I haven't been to as many EO events, I'll get to some more. Um, but uh try to stay as involved as I can. But mm-hmm. I'm not too hard to find and I'm I would like to think at least what others tell me is I'm barely generous with my time. If I can find time, for 15 minutes and somebody wants to just chat, I'm happy yeah. to do it because um, people did that for me. Yeah. And so there's no reason yeah. not to do that. So yeah. I, I will try to find the best time I can. But yeah, feel free to reach out anytime.
1: Okay. Well, that's wonderful. So, well, thank you so much again, Alok, for joining us. I've really, really honestly enjoyed the conversation. It's been such a nice mix of business and personal, and I'm hoping our guests Got a nice experience of getting to know you a little bit better.
0: You got it. You got it, Sarah. Thank you for everything you're doing. Really appreciate it.
1: You are welcome. And thank you to our audience. Um, If you learned something today, maybe we made you laugh. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Please tell someone about this podcast. Um, You know, we, we love doing this. We really, I'm, you know, I find it amazing. I'm getting comments from people quite regularly um, telling us like they're listening to every show. They're learning something and it's like, oh my gosh. And I sometimes I just think I'm doing this because I'm enjoying it. So knowing that, <laughs> knowing that we're actually really helping you, our listeners, just means everything to me. So thank you. Please keep listening. Please keep subscribing. Share this with your, your network because we want to grow this beyond Atlanta. Um and just get the best of the best um, to share their stories. And so again, thank you, Alok, for joining us. Um, This has been another exciting episode of EO Atlanta's Taking Flight. And I really look forward to seeing everybody next time. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.